Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I invite an actor or artist friend to watch an episode with me. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. Hey guys, welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. My guest this week is Matthew Arder. He is back for part two of two. This is season six, episode 20, Gone with the Wind, part two, original air date, February 20th of 1985. I really got nothing else for this introduction. Let's not dilly-dally. Let's not piddle-fart and let's not lollygag. Let's face the facts with Matthew Arder. All right, so we ready to get moving with Season 6, Episode 20, Gone with the Wind, Part 2, from February the 20th of 1985? Gone with the Wind, Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, David. Mm. (laughs) You know that's the law, that whenever you refer to something as Part 2, you have to say Electric Boogaloo. Because it's the best and most amazing sequel title ever written, ever. You wonder who is the person that said that's that is you know what break two is not no we need a colon and some other type of a of an eye catcher of a of a grab <laughs> back then you remember it was always the same guy that did the um voiceovers for oh, yeah. um, trailers and it was like it was like hearing him say break two electric boogaloo like was hilarious just like i'm gonna get you sucker (laughs) (laughs) coming from eddie murphy homie don't want none your stank breath in my face right it's like really (laughs) oh god but even (sighs) on main street people would say like do you have merchandise from frozen 2 and i would go frozen 2 electric boogaloo And 90% of the time, the parents were around my age and they laughed their asses off. (laughs) This one woman goes, I will never be able to say it again without adding Frozen 2 Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) (laughs) And that is what we call making magic, ladies and gentlemen. I have been waiting with bated breath, David, to find out if your version of this begins with a... Last week on Facts of Life. Oh yes, it does, Matthew. The syndicated version on the t- on the on the Daily Motion does not. I was it does way- not. oh, I was hoping that it got we got a good <laughs> last week on the Facts of Life. It wasn't that guy though. It was actually insanely clever what they did. The recap is a letter from Natalie to Mrs. Garrett. What? It is Mindy Cohn's voice, and it says, Dear Mrs. Garrett, it's spring break at Grandma's condo in Fort Lauderdale. And when you think of it, Charlotte Ray is absent from this episode. Well, the character of Mrs. Garrett has now been addressed and acknowledged, and we can move on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's genius. But (laughs) that is really creative, and I love that, and I'm now pissed that I missed it. Yeah, I can show it to you if you want. We can take a moment. Yeah, I kind of want to see it. You want to see it? Let me think about how I can... um, Give me one second. Give me one second. 
See, a normal person would be thoroughly annoyed, dear listeners, by what David is going through right now. But I don't know about you, but I find it charming. There, I said it. I would also like it known, and I'm going to keep an eye on this, and the, and the code word will be pineapple. When I say pineapple in the podcast, um, you will know that I have spotted a slight underarm sweat coming through David's t-shirt. And um, that maybe it's just me that finds that like titillating. And I should never say titillating. Okay, it would be one, two, three. Dear Mrs. Garrett, it's spring break at Grandma's condo in Florida. Right off the bat, Blair met this guy. Ben is a very good friend of my grandmother's. Ben seems to like all ages. <laughs> but not all types. Uh, Jill met a musician. We had a few close friends over. This guy, guys. And don't tell me she can get her own date. Some nice college men. Sang a few songs. She says all she wants is love. Had a touch of bad weather, though. We're having a hurricane. (laughs) Gotta go. Love, Natalie. And there it is. I noticed she didn't once say, how are you, Mrs. Garrett? <laughs> She's so selfish. Uh, all about them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it's like, yeah, we know you want to leave the show. We know your heart is not into this anymore. One of my things that I mentioned last week was to put a pin in the way I think they could have made this a stepping stone episode was to include Mrs. Garrett, like worried about the girls and this guy, Ted being like, they're not girls anymore. And to have that conversation with her and like bring her to terms with the fact that you are talking about grown women now. We could have had a cutaway to them in Canada. Yeah. Like sitting by the phone or listening to the radio going, the hurricane is coming to Florida, you know, or something. And her just worrying her brains out while this guy tells her, you don't have to worry about these women anymore. Oh, that would have been amazing. (laughs) Man. Okay, that's going in the time machine, honey. That is going. And a huge upper to begin the show with. So this was, to recap, written by Kimberly Hill. Uh, writer on the show since season four is now a producer and directed by John Boab. That he's he's the guy. No need to talk about it anymore. Um, Matthew, are you ready to give me the one to two sentence synopsis as one would find in a TV guide for this episode now that we have, have recapped and caught ourselves up? Yes. The girls go home from Miami. (laughs) Spoiler alert, they make it through the hurricane. Oh, no. Oh, man, you're just starting it off. That could have been the B-plot. Mrs. Garrett goes and dies in the hurricane. (laughs) Yeah, or or dies in an avalanche up at the ski slopes or something. Like, like, you know. Like Burnside, Pickett. Beauregard Jackson, you read my mind. Uh, you are so gay, David. Uh, Auntie Mame reference, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, in addition to the girls coming home from my from from Fort Lauderdale, yeah, uh, we we also do have some things that happen before that. And uh, let's let's start getting getting through to 
going over that now, shall we? Mind you, dear listeners, the things that happen before they go home have no um, relevance to the rest of the series at all. No, no. You you liked last week because it was like a bottle episode. I think we got a bodilier bottle episode here. Yeah, this is this could play on its own. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Uh, so we start off with a close up of a radio, and you see a hand next to the radio on the little table next to the couch. As we zoom out, we can hear a radio announcer saying that. Hurricane Anna changed directions before hitting Fort Lauderdale. And as we zoom out, we realize the hand is the hand of some random dude who has passed out in the condo of Natalie's grandmother. And it is the place is a shithole. It is it is messed up. It was a good party, clearly. So uh, the hurricane didn't hit. Uh, I I wouldn't have thought so after the clips that we saw last week of the Category 5 1958 hurricane slamming into the coast. Yeah, that that had clearly already hit. Yeah, it was in fully in progress. Yeah. But uh, it changed direction. So essentially, the cliffhanger, the oh my God, what's going to happen component of episode one has literally been addressed completed and thrown aside within the first sentences of episode two. And now we just get on with the episode, which is the aftermath of the party. And then how do they complete their trip? So a uh, great, uh, great cliffhanger there. And then you get back and it's like, oh, there's really no cliff. No, no worries. <laughs> so Natalie comes downstairs and she assesses the carnage and uh, Tootie is wrapped up in a blanket, and uh, we have to stop right here, Matthew, for a corrections corner. Okay. Last week when I was doing my voluminous and extremely detailed analysis of the girls and their outfits that they were wearing, yes, I inadvertently reported that Tootie was in a one-piece uh, top, short sleeve and shorts. They were yellow and a nice Hawaiian tropical print. And I was very happy because Tootie's the only one that seems to be in any sort of summer um, vacation garb. It is in fact a two-piece. It is a blouse and shorts that match and the blouse is tied down around her waist. It just is for all intents and purposes touching the shorts. So only on rare occasion do you realize that it is a two-piece instead of a one-piece which is even summerier and therefore earns an extra gold star on top of the David seal of approval. Well, David, I don't know how we can trust you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not a correction, but an addenda to the dumb mum. All right. That's okay. Just, mm-hmm. So Tootie has slept in the living room, wrapped in a blanket, wearing same said outfit. Yeah. And wrapped she- in a blanket in the middle of Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Burr. Oh, nothing worse. Freezing cold March hurricanes. <laughs> so true. Dear oh. listeners, for those that don't know, during a hurricane, it's so goddamn humid, you can't even fucking step outside. It feels like you stepped into somebody's mouth. It's, it's bad. It's like opening up a dishwasher and stepping in mid-cycle. And the only difference is that it's windy, so you're actually getting humid air blown around. Oh, God. Anyway. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, but I was saying, do you want to talk about hurricanes in the sense that um, 
I wonder if there are listeners out there who have never been through a hurricane and don't even understand kind of what the big deal is. Well, I'm sure there are. Marion lives in Canada. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought maybe we could take a moment or two. Maybe I'll edit this out for time. We'll see. But I used to work for a company that was based out of New York City. And we would be talking to them like, okay, so the hurricane's going to be coming and going to be a direct hit about 10 p.m. So can we send everybody home now? And the New York office would be like, why? And we're like, be because a hurricane's coming. And they're like, well, it's not coming till 10 o'clock. Why do you need to send them home before 5? And they didn't understand that what one needs to do to prep for a hurricane Basically, the first and foremost number one thing that we all have to do is expect you are likely going to lose power for an indefinite period of time. Mm -hmm. So it's preparation for a power outage. Some people in Florida, rural Florida, have water pumps that are electric. So that's why there was the talk in the last episode of filling up the bathtub with water. Remember he said, Natalie, I filled the bathtub with water. That's so you got water that you can take a little cup or a bucket out of just to be able to wash your face or brush your teeth because- or flush your toilet. Oh, that's God, that's right. Jesus. I didn't even thought, I've never lived on on um, electric pump well water in my life, thank God. Uh, it's awful. Oh yeah, you've you've lived that? Yeah. It smells like your nose is in someone's butthole and they are <laughs> farting like <laughs> crazy. Well, it's, thank you. It's sulfur. It smells like sulfur. So it is literally fart smell. Oof. And you're bathing in it, for Christ's Oof. sake. Oof. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> and so the other preparations that one makes for not having power is you need to have flashlights so you can see at night. So that's batteries. You need to get your flashlights, make sure you have fresh batteries. So the batteries all start disappearing off of the shelves. Yep. And for those who don't want to fill their bathtubs with water, bottled water. So all your gallon jugs, all your individual single size bottles of water, that shit starts flying off the shelves. And that's what people have in the long, long lines you see at Target and at Walmart. Yeah. And, um, uh, then what else about a hurricane? What else? We, we haven't had one in three years, so we forget. Um, oh, oh, uh, because a hurricane is heavy rain and heavy winds at the same time. Anything that you have on the outside of your property, you need to bring inside because the winds, the wind gusts can be strong enough that it will blow your fucking patio furniture into your neighbor's picture window. David, I just realized we are going on at length about telling people what fucking hurricanes are. They live in the world, David. They, I mean, whether they've experienced it or not, they fucking know, like, oh, hurricane. Do they? No, nobody's listening here going, hmm, what is a hurricane? No, me I mean, no. I mean, I'm not saying people don't know what a hurricane is, but what I'm saying is things you don't think about. It's like, oh, it's going to be windy. It's going to be rainy. I'm going to go home now. It's like, uh, no, shit yeah. could be blowing around if you don't secure the items outside your house and you hear about plywood people huh? have tornadoes people have lived through tornadoes and yep. stuff they know, they know yep. what this is and that's a real danger too but that's also why people board up their windows so that things don't fly into the windows because that would really really suck yeah yep and then when Especially the ground if gets living, uh, if you're living in a fucking trailer part down here in florida those oh. are fun during a hurricane yeah and there's a lot of them 
Yep. Anyway, okay, fine. You've put me in my place. Apparently, as I'm sitting here going through it, I'm like, what else do we have to do when a hurricane's coming? This is a common thing that happens regularly. And we forget because we're just like, la, 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 on with our lives. I don't know. There are people out there who probably never thought of what one needs to do to prepare for a hurricane. Because it ain't just like, oh, it's a little windy and it's a little rainy and a little wet out there. It's it's a BFD, really. Yeah, it is. <sighs> so, Joe comes out of the kitchen. Or does she come? No, he comes Joe- down the spiral staircase. Yes, Joe comes down the spiral staircase, still in her red Teletubbies costume. And uh, she says that she has spoken to Flyman and the plans are that they're going to meet at Rock Island. Yeah. And I wonder if they're going to go on a rock hunt hmm. while they're on Rock Island. I don't know. Are, are, do they have bikes? They might have to go for a bike hunt. <laughs> to to get the bikes, to find the bikes. <laughs> So yeah, maybe some cycling and some yeah. Well, Flyman's Fly, Flyman's name is actually Mike. We find out. Oh and yeah. So we don't have to. We we need to know where he is. So we're gonna have to go on a Mike hunt. Ah. <laughs> uh, but David Rock Island. I googled that because I it's she makes it sound like it's some tourist attraction. Rock Island. Like a destination. Yeah. Yeah. It's a neighborhood. It's like it's like Winter Park. It's like yes, it's like Winter Park. It's like Winter Garden. It's like <laughs> it's like Alexandria to Washington D.C. It's a neighborhood. Like, <laughs> what it's the a, fuck is that? Yeah, yeah, I, like I, like Merritt Island here, Merritt Island guess, before you get to Coco. It's like Metro West here. Oh my god! It's literally a neighborhood. Like <laughs> so, within, it's a colonial town or or Baldwin all- Park. Of all the things that they could have said, we're going to meet at Fort Lauderdale. They could, like, they, she could have just said the fountain. We're going to meet at the fountain. Yeah. Or, or the something. beach. We're going to go to the beach. Let's go yeah. to the water. Let's go to the beach. <laughs> what the hell? Which uh, in Fort Lauderdale does have a very famous nude beach, David. Did we talk about that before? I don't believe we did. What do you know yeah. of nude beaches in Fort Lauderdale, Matthew? This one called Hallover. And, um, you know, I like to go to the nude beach. Well, I used to like to before they started rolling me back into the water. Um, <laughs> oh God. One time, this woman's, <laughs> I hear Greenpeace being yelled. And <laughs> before I can look up, this woman's pouring a bucket of water on me and trying to find my blowhole. <laughs> so none of my friends would go with me because they always say the same thing you know people always have this assumption they're like i can't go to the nude beach what if i get a boner Mm -hmm. nope you won't i promise you unless you're into the cast of cocoon (laughs) like if cocoon was porn for you um then sure you might Mm -hmm. but like picture the guy on tv that sells diabetes stuff that's what's walking around in (laughs) it's true it's wilford brimley Uh, yep and, and the his... last time I was there, he brought his wife with him, and she looked like she had smuggled a goddamn Brillo pad onto that beach, David. <laughs> it was this gray, wiry mess. And you know how Brillo pads get when they get wet. She came out of the ocean. It was all purple and foamy. Pineapple. <laughs> Pineapple. <laughs> so, yeah, Rock Island is... Uh. Uh, 
if um if um not I, that place. No, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I've but been to. She says it doesn't matter that because you've been to New Beach. Go ahead, go on, go on. Yep, yeah. yep. I didn't mean to cut that off. Go ahead. I, I was like, I've been to a New go Beach on. many times, and and I agree. I am fifty two, and uh, when it comes to my body. Uh, shape and size and muscle tone i am as average i got nothing never gonna see me in an underwear commercial magazine ad whatever i've never had a sweet swimmer's build or any muscle tone or anything Uh, or a swinging elephant trunk cock like why does does every gay at the nude beach have this huge fucking cock swinging between their legs whenever i go if i see a rainbow umbrella or something i'm like oh fuck i'm going home because i don't want to sit out there with these judgy fucking perfect gays that are like oh look at that fat old queen sitting over there this little dick hanging out But the deal is, uh, I don't know what, wherever the nude beach you go to, when I go to the one, and the one I go to is a uh, well-known retirement uh, section of the state, let's say. and uh, We call it God's waiting room. (laughs) (laughs) The treasure coast is God's waiting room. Yeah. Well, at my attractiveness level and at the age of 52, I know when I go to the beach, I am the youngest, hottest piece of ass there walking around like it's it's definitely one of those yeah worrying about a boner situation it's like uh, you're going to get it from the wind or the sensation of a water it's not going to be anything visual i promise okay well that was a fun little diversion (laughs) thank you for so rock island it doesn't matter they can't go there anyway because it's underwater david yeah you know why from a hurricane that didn't hit very quickly, oh, oh, a little quick aside, a guy crawls out of the fireplace. Like, there's just extra people and bodies left over from the party. And Tootie even says, uh, I've heard about parties like this. And it, it, this was amazing. And we gave it. <laughs> and I have to admit, I'm I'm kind of living for Tootie in these two episodes. Because Tootie is, for the really the first time, kind of stepping into the arena of kind of doing the the things the big girls do yeah so well, she, uh, i believe she she said she's gonna cut loose foot loose <laughs> kick off the sunday shoes oh that was joe that said that never that was, mind that was joe that said that <laughs> to let everybody know i'm gonna really cut loose guys yeah. are, you, are you sure about that i'm not sure you're on vacation spring break fort lauderdale i really think this is neither the time nor the place joe come on they don't know where Blair is, David. Oh, that's right. They don't know. They've realized that of, of the four of them, only three of them are accounted for. Where is Blair? Well, no sooner does the question come up. Blair shows up. She's there. She comes in. But not before they have to make the joke about being on hold with 911. Oh. The day after a hurricane. Imagine. Mm. Yeah. Joe. That they're not there to talk, to look for your preppy friend that hasn't even been missing for six hours. <laughs> yeah, settle down, de- simmer down now, Joe. <laughs> simmer down now. No. You know she left with Ben, so simmer, simmer <laughs> down now. Calling the fucking cops the day after a hurricane. 
But Blair does show up. She was at Ben's. And somebody among the girls is like, all night? You were there all night? And Blair says, we were just talking. We lost track of time. Yeah. And there's still a sense of, oh, by talking, do you mean sucking his dick? Uh, I'm yeah. paraphrasing. Um, and also, uh, uh, who do I need to justify this to? Who am yeah. I justify? <laughs> Screw you, girls. I'm, you're the one that's been all over your, your twin, Joe, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Cooey, you were chasing every guy out of that bar last night. Mm-hmm. And we all know how horny Natalie is. So you're all going to get on me? Yeah. F off bitches <laughs> after i flew you down here in my private plane y'all are gonna call me a slut okay <laughs> fuck right off but um she again when they kind of press her she still comes back with i hate to disappoint you guy i know you were hoping that i was fucking that dude but uh yeah and she does even say Isn't that so weird? Me with a handyman. So she's kind of come back to this whole, there's still a class difference. I spent the whole night with him, but she she still seems a little fixated on this thing. She says, she asks, have you seen his apartment? He designed and built everything himself in an apartment. (laughs) He designed and built everything in your apartment. Really? Okay. (laughs) So... You built this place that you're only renting. Like, it's not, okay, whatever. Not, not going to see that deposit back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she does say that among the things they discussed of the many, many things they were up all night talking about was that he went to college for five years but just didn't finish, but he was pursuing a degree to be an architect. Yeah. And uh, And she says, now we have nothing in common. Is that something she says? Why did I write that down? I think she keeps writing, she keeps saying that through in between things. She's like, but we have nothing in common. Did you know he's this, um, he coaches a kid's soccer team? She's in this back and forth kind of manic depressive place with this fresh new relationship. Yeah. Um, so it ends with her going, so nope, sorry, not for me. And they're like, uh, okay, sure. And I do have to point out, Matthew, finally, at last, her hair looks right. <laughs> but it didn't last week? Last week, it was lumpy and gross and I thought looked terrible. Now, as a she was up all night and fell asleep on a couch with a guy, this is what fell asleep on couch with a guy hair the next morning looks like. All right. And I'm happy to say, as we end this scene and go into the next scene, we are now cleaning up the condo. Uh, they're all in different outfits. Blair has changed and she has brushed her hair. So as of this point, we can now stop fixating on how awful Blair's hair looks. It's finally brushed and looks better. So c- could we could we let this go, please, Matthew? Could we, could we please drop it finally? I'll, I'll try. Please? Okay. <sighs> While they're cleaning up the condo, a guy jumps out of the closet. <laughs> wink, Not, wink. Yeah, giggity. <laughs> But they find it, and Blair is vacuuming, and Tootie finds, she's like, see what happens when you don't vacuum the corners or something? It's kind of a funny moment. I love the idea of the party is so crazy that there are literally human beings still lost and trapped and in the crevasses where they are still being discovered. It's fucking, I think, hilarious. 
At least somebody did. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so with the plans for Rock Island having fallen through, they're distraught that they're not going to be able to go home with tans. So what do they do, Matthew? Um, is this before Ben comes in? Yes. Okay, because my next notice for Ben comes in. Um, Natalie has a sun lamp that looks like a desk lamp. Yeah, on a, on a like a, it looks like an IV stand with a desk lamp, like it's a floor model. Yeah. Well, what like, they do is they have this sun lamp and they have these sort of reflective mirror panels that when uh, Ben shows up shortly thereafter. By the time Ben and Blair are having their conversation and the lamp is set up, what we have are these barriers, like these little half walls behind the couch to create an area where the girls are going to, quote unquote, sunbathe. But we are going to be sure that not one square inch of anybody's flesh is seen in or out of a bathing suit. <laughs> so thank, that's interesting. Huh? But we're supposed to believe that they are naked behind the sofa. Uh, is it naked or is it just in their bathing suits? I felt like the way they did it, like they were butt naked. Like, I don't know why. I don't think when Joe's head peeked up, I didn't see anything on her shoulder. But uh, it's okay. Maybe I didn't gather that they were all like friends, naked, oh, naked so, friends. So I'm the pervert. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So the sunbathing is happening while Ben and Blair are kind of retouching base, like, you know, like kind of morning after starry eyed. Hi. Hi. Good to see you stuff. Uh, so Joe complains that the sun lamp is hot. Like she's like, it's uncomfortably hot. And she is literally like after 30 seconds, she's like, I'm out. So yeah. Joe is not under, she is under the lamp for seconds it is not even a full minute yeah put a pin in it please ladies and yeah. gentlemen and then natalie takes her turn and uh and tootie takes a picture of natalie laying naked behind the couch that's why i'm thinking it was it, it, they had to be in their bathing suit but why would tootie do that you're going to take a picture that in 1985 has to go to a store for development <laughs> Of your best oh friend God. in her bathing suit, as you say, or as I think, but naked. <laughs> Birthday suit. Uh, so uh, Ben suggests that they get out of there. And yeah. there are two moments in this episode where Ben and Blair have some flirty talk. And it elicits the out of the audience. But not the moments when they actually are kissing which I would have thought would have been the more appropriate moments. So that was weird, right? Am I right? Um, I didn't really notice it. I just was noticing how very handsome Ben was. Oh, he's so cute. He's so handsome. So cute. Well, no sooner does the Blair and Ben banter uh, end itself. I don't even remember how this scene ends other than... We go to the next scene now coming down the spiral staircase. Yeah. Joe burned to a crisp. Yeah. And dear, I mean, not to explain sunburning, but I mean, that quickly, Joe? No, no, <laughs> no. 
I've had friends get a burn from being on a tanning bed for yeah. like 15 minutes. Yeah. But that's on a tanning, but you're literally sitting on a window that has the lights right next to it. Not a friggin', like you say, it's a damn, you know, Luxo lamp from Pixar Productions, whatever the fuck that and you is. Don't, you don't open the tanning bed and see lobster skin. Like, no. that, it doesn't happen that quickly. So, again, it's like, ugh. And she's yeah. doing that fucking onesie again. Mm. God damn it. But this it. time it's grayish. Uh, it's either it's either gray, white. It's, it's a light, light gray. It might be off white. It might be taupe. It might, <laughs> could be taupe. Eggshell. But fucking, you put the star of your show in a basically a beige onesie. <laughs> oh god damn it! Diana Eden could not get here soon enough. Diana, where are you? Diana, save wait. us! Save us, Diana Eden. Um, so in addition to Joe being burned all over to a crisp, uh, and she's mad at Natalie, of course, for making this happen. Well, Natalie's like, Hey, I didn't come out of this unscathed either. Natalie's feet are so burned. She has them bandaged up. Like she's an extra in a war movie. Yeah. Because she forgot to put suntan lotion just on her feet. Well, but, Mm-hmm. Not bandaged up like they're like yeah, she's she a looks leper. Like a double amputee, for Christ's sake! She looks yeah. like she's a double amputee. I mean, we, um, you and I, are both fair-skinned people, Matthew. You have yeah. forgotten to get the tops of your feet at the beach, I'm sure. Yeah. Or and, just walking around a, par- a theme park wearing flip-flops. You don't, yeah. you don't bother, and then you get home and you're like, "Oh God, I have a fucking sunburnt top of my feet." Oh God. Yeah, and it hurts a couple days, and then you get over it. But you, I mean, it's, take some Tylenol for fuck's yeah. sake. Not to the point where I'm walking like Frankenstein's monster. No, and, <laughs> and need huge bandages. Mm-hmm. But we don't have time to dwell upon these uh, possibly inaccurate injuries sustained by Joe and Natalie. Because Blair comes back in, having just spent some more time with Ben, and she declares to the room, I am in love with Ben, and I won't be flying back with you guys tomorrow. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Commercial. Mm-hmm. So the first episode was the partying in Fort Lauderdale, and then there might be a hurricane. Whoa. This has come down to being, oh, this is just like we did with Mrs. Garrett, what, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, where Mrs. Garrett's like, oh, I just met this guy. I'm going to marry him. Bye. Uh, okay. She's not going back because Ben is taking her, David, camping in the Everglades. <sighs> what? Get the fuck out. <laughs> Dear uh, listeners, the Everglades <laughs> is the equivalent to a goddamn rainforest. It's a swamp. Filled it's with a water. fucking swamp. Gators the size of fucking redwood trees. Pythons that are miles long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, if you're camping in the Everglades, you are either one of those people from... Um, Duck Dynasty that wrestles her gators and collects pythons for fun, or you are a crazy person. Yeah. 
Exactly. And not that there aren't camping sites and national parks within the Everglades. I I assume there are. Yeah, but, but Blair ain't going to be going to one. No, not our Blairy. Hells no. In a no. fucking tent. In a tent. Yeah. So the girls are like, wait, what the ha ha the? And Blair's like, yep, it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it. And it's crazy. And I don't remember what it is that creates this that does the changeover of personnel where we got to get rid of the three girls to leave Blair alone to talk with Ben. Yeah. So it might've just been, oh, well, uh, the guys are meeting us at the Red Claw, so bye. Because technically all of them have fellas now. Tootie's got that dorky boy, Peter, and Natalie's yeah. got tall man, John, who's really cute, by the way. I'm, yeah. I'm into John. I'm, yeah. I betcha that's worth the climb. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, of course, Flyman. <laughs> wow. Joe's, ah! Joe's twin brother. Yes. <laughs> Not since Donnie and Marie has there been such romantic sparks flying <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> oh, dear. But I do have to say, as the girls do file out to go meet the boys, um, Joe is, of course, in her gray onesie. Mm. Natalie is in a lime green dress. It looks like it might be from the Rose Nyland collection. <laughs> it's a little it's a little old, but at the very least it's lime green. And then Tootie is in a bright pink 1980s drop waist dress. And I shouldn't say bright pink, bright middle pink, like Blair's pantsuit last week pink. Uh drop waist dress. At least they're all in summer colors. I have to say that. And Blair is in this sort of nautical navy blue and white striped one-piece dress with shoulder pads and still with that red pocket square. Because when I think Fort Lauderdale spring break, I think I got to bring my pocket squares. And I feel like I believe that this scene is where they take um, her title card for the next couple episodes. Yeah. Oh, and later, um, Kim Fields is when she's in the in the airplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, so as they file out, Ben arrives and he's got the camping gear that you know it's going to be. This is what you got in store. Yeah, and it's a tent. And Blair's like, "Well, that's great. Where's the RV?" And he's like, "No, this is where you stay. This is what we're doing." Wacky, wacky misunderstanding. Whoa. So then how do we end this scene? They kiss. No, nobody goes, woo! And then we go to the Red Claw. We're back and we're going to meet the guys. We're going to have some fun again. The apartment's all put back together. The condo looks good. Um, so Peter shows up for Tootie. Um, John and Flyman show up. And uh, Joe and Natalie are, are, of course, still suffering because of the sunburn. Tootie is being this social butterfly running around the place. Uh, so in spite of the sunburn, Joe tries to dance with Flyman. He really wants her to dance with her. Well, and he comes up and he goes, let's dance. No one is dancing in that entire bar, David. Thank you. Not even bopping to any music as it were. So <sighs> again, what would have been wrong with him walking up and being like, whoa, you are red, girl, <laughs> or something. Why did we have to go through this ridiculousness of them having to try to dance? We- anyway, 
Because I guess because we're proving Joe's going to cut loose, foot loose, take off <laughs> her Sunday shoes. <laughs> <sighs> so, um, Natalie talking about, you know, her feet are really suffering. She's like, I, that dancing is out of the question. John, so sweetly, sits down, picks up Natalie's feet and puts them in her lap and says, it's okay. We can just sit and talk. Yeah. Uh, I love him so much. He would let me talk if he was my boyfriend. And I love talking. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we have a spit here that's cut from syndication, Matthew. Oh my God. Stop it right now. So I just pulled up the video and showed it to Matthew, showed the little bit that was missing from uh, the syndicated version. It's a little bit more back and forth between Blair and Ben and the other table with the, the other people's there but uh what what did you think matthew well i well i i will say um they did bring back the waitress from last week i was going to make sure you noticed that you had said that they didn't even bring her back do you was she latina last week i think so but my first question is why can't joe drink isn't joe 21 yeah and i would hope flyman is (laughs) at least her age joe's 20 um yeah but joe got into the bar completely legally the legally. first time. Yeah, what we're talking about is last week Matthew had mentioned how the waitress from part one doesn't even come back in part two. Well, she did. She comes up and uh, demands to see their IDs and when they don't produce them, which I don't know why, they should still have the fake IDs they had yesterday. She basically says, uh, I know you're not of age to drink, so no alcohol for you guys. You could have gotten us shut down. You're lucky I don't throw you out of here. And yeah. honestly, the, the idea that they decided or whoever's choice it was to make her Latina, it's like, thank God, because Fort Lauderdale, Miami, there is a very large, uh, I believe the term is Latinx population. So that was a very good thing because it, it would have been weird to have just all all white people and Tootie and Peter. Um, so other than that, it's just more back and forth and stuff. And uh, the other thing I've noticed that Flyman does say, ah, it's too bad you're so sunburned, you know, because John and I had this whole thing planned where we were going to take you this place and do this other thing and commune. No citrus point. There was no, there is no citrus point, David. Oh, you've done your research quickly. I just, I just Googled it. There's a citrus point. It's a, a housing addition in Davenport, Florida. <laughs> so if that's the trip they were going to make, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Davenport, Florida. How does one describe Davenport? It's yeah. it's like the, the less nice uh, Kissimmee. It's like... It's. I always think of it. It's like a. It's like a Hooverville kind of. It was like built out of necessity. It just. <laughs> uh. It's. It's definitely one of the. As you get outside of the Metro Orlando area, when you get to Davenport, it's. Bang 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 bang. Natalie is all like, mm, "This sucks. I want to go and do that thing and the other thing and commune." So Natalie is like, "Well, God damn it, this this sucks." And Flyman does say, yeah, John and I had it all planned, didn't we, John? And I'm like, wait, uh, wait, no, John's not your friend. John is the friend of Morgan, the preppy dude that was chasing after Blair last week. Yeah. Whom we don't see this week. So it's like John has very quickly been like, "Um, I'm getting with this Natalie chick. I belong to this group of friends now, ladies and gentlemen. 
And also, Natalie, just your feet are sunburnt. Your pussy ain't. So, <laughs> bitch, Stop. Com- commune, girl. Commune. You ain't got to stand to commune. Yeah. In fact, some of the best communing out there is when you're lying down. And when your feet are in the air, for God's sake, Natalie. <laughs> oh, yours. Bless, bless. Anyway, um, the only other joke that I think is funny, actually funny, is that Tootie is being such a social butterfly. She's supposed to be there to support her friends who are burnt to a crisp. Well, she comes running up with with poor Roger in tow. She's like, are you guys okay? If you need anything, I'm here for you. Pew! Off she goes again. She's she's having a great time. She is. I like I said, I I'm really I'm I like yeah. uh, we've we've been hating on duty a lot this season. The character, not yeah. Kim Fields. No. But, um, but yeah. So we go back to the Blair and Ben. Now we're back into the syndicated version. This is in the Daily Motion. And Ben and Blair have a serious talk. And uh you said you had thoughts and feelings about this talk. <laughs> okay. All right. I almost want to read word for word what I wrote down. Read it. Read it. I want to hear. Um, Why does she have to live his life? Why can't he get on her plane and be like, ah, this is what life can be like? No one is asking them to give up their entire lifestyle until they get to this conversation. And it's like, he, he says, you'd have to give up money. We'll have to live on my salary. Why? Yeah. Yeah, and she's like, well, no, don't worry about that. I can take care of us. My God, my, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's that yeah. male chauvinist fucking bullshit. And, and he's like, he's like saying like, you have to give up all your worldly possessions. She's not becoming a nun. We've been over <laughs> that with Jan Brady in season two. True. <laughs> and not only that, Blair, you are in college. He's asking you to give up everything, bitch. That's not what I, that's why I've never been in love because I'm not willing to give up everything. But he won't even promise her that in a few years he wants to have a family. After you've given up everything, Blair. Yeah. I cannot promise you that in two years I may want to think about having a family. But you give up everything after two days of knowing me. That's yeah. what I need you to do. Ask, and he'll ask again in two years. Spoiler, we never see him again. <laughs> so, so true all this love we've fallen in love with ben pineapple and it's like why now i'm like get the fuck out ben yeah. don't call me in two years you... i don't have to give up my life my money my why can't you decide oh maybe having your own plane isn't such a bad thing for a handyman <laughs> if you want to nobody's asking you to give up Bandy a handyman you can still be a handyman, and but you just skill. drive there in a BMW. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. And Or maybe finish architect school because it ain't going to be a drain on your time or your funds. Blair would fucking pay for that if it meant she was going to be marrying an architect who could fix the damn roof if there's a hole. Thank you. Or fix any hole for that yeah. matter. Giggity. Uh but so yeah, that was is... my rant about Ben, and now I'm angry at him, and now I wish I hadn't fallen in love with him. <laughs> I feel betrayed. I do. He's a male chauvinist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. Yes, uh. the patriarchal bullshit. It does finally come down to 
the point where we do get some good dialogue where he says, I guess the timing is not right. Yeah, that I would, that's a pretty good realization. Ben. Yeah. So, and Blair says, well, now what do we do? And he says, I think you should finish school. I'll finish my job because it's a two year construction job he's going away to. Alaska. And in Alaska. <laughs> So Alaska in two years. Come on. Come on. Come on. Sheboygan. Okay. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> but um, there's been this running gag where at the bar from this waitress who calls them out, Natalie has tried to order orange juice. She tried it last week to no avail. This week again, and the sassy uh, one-line retort was, I'll put you on the waiting list. Yeah. And Natalie that. is correct when she says, it, I can't, it's Florida. I can't get orange juice. Yeah. A at a bar, can I get a screwdriver? Hold well, the vodka. She said, that last, she said that last week and she goes, and she goes, bad crop was the answer that the waitress gave her. Oh, hmm. Fascinating. They have well, tang. And that's when Joe's ears perked up when she <laughs> mentioned that they had tang because she thought, the waitress is offering something poon, else. Poontang. <laughs> Poontang. Uh-huh. Well, Tootie and Peter don't really have a wrap-up. And uh, Blair and Ben, they've come to this agreement. But the wrap-up to Natalie and John is that John walks over with a pitcher of orange juice. And Natalie is like, ah, oh, where did you get this? And you remember what John says? I don't know, but orange, you're glad I did? I don't know. <laughs> Close. It's, it's about as groany, where he says, let's just say I put the squeeze on the owner. Okay. <laughs> it was very appealing. Uh, <laughs> and the red claw, I can say, is a little seedy. Come on. Wow. Damn it. That's, that's yeah. just great. Wow. Don't worry, I don't know any jokes in Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, went to the bathroom. Their soap was zest. Z zest. Because orange, orange. You would... Okay, so how do we end this this whole thing? What is oh the my perfect God, way? In the, in the most cringy way possible, David. Oh, tell us. Uh, you, explain, explain the cringe. I'll let you then. Rick, our fly man, comes and she goes, where were you? Joe says, where were you? Whatever. He goes, took me a while to find a song on the jukebox. Well, luckily, it's a karaoke version on the jukebox. Of a of song of, no one's ever heard. Of a song no one has ever heard or sung ever before. Right. And it starts with the same exact um, chord as and word tonight now if somebody sang that i'll name that tune if somebody yeah. was like david tonight why would you finish it i'm gonna give it all to you <laughs> i would finish it it's the same chord as tonight i celebrate my love for you okay there it is there it is you're so, right so yeah. <laughs> when he goes tonight and then goes into some other song, you're like, mm -hmm. it's like they just took the record, <laughs> the needle off the record. And you're like, wait a minute. 
because that song, David, <laughs> was given to, you know how in middle school when the choir teacher has like an actual singer in the choir and they mm-hmm. just can't get over themselves. So they're like, oh, Stephanie's getting all the fucking solos because, oh my God, she can actually fucking sing. Um, in my seventh grade year, her name was Stephanie and she could fucking sing. But at our spring concert, the song was Tonight I Celebrate My Love for You. Two seventh graders singing that to each other. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was almost as cringy as this scene of him singing to your face. David, have you ever done a scene where you have to look somebody in the eyes while you're singing? It's very uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. Yes. Oh. Yeah. In, in a music, if you're doing a musical, it's part of the language that you're speaking, that's different. But yeah, to be in this, which is essentially a play. And remember last week I talked about the acoustics, how I didn't mind that the wonderful Michael Damien was lip syncing because he had amplification. He had a, a microphone that could, we, we could all collectively pretend is the thing that's making his voice sound perfect. Well, in this, it's, oh no, like you said, it's a karaoke track and he's just supposedly singing live, supposedly singing live to Joe's face, no amplification, but that audio is every bit as clean as the audio when he was singing at the party and at the bar when the band was performing. Yeah. And it's, uh, and uh, the, the, the lyric tonight, I celebrate no, no. my love for you. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, you are with me. We are alone, walking hand in hand. Hand in hand. It's like, it's the most vapid, innocuous lyrics. And while he's singing this, romantic and it's an 80s ballad like you it's got the the electric keyboard thing it does sound like the the who's saying that celebrate my love um i don't know diana ross no what's it i don't know i if i even if i say you're gonna ask alexa so Uh, i was just gonna ask your permission (laughs) wow tonight i celebrate my love is a romantic ballad Written by lyricist Jerry Goffin with Michael Masser and recorded by Peebo Bryson and Roberta Flack. So, speaking of criticizing professionals, Matthew, (laughs) you know I'd rather walk on my lips than than give any critique of a person and their performance. Of course. Um, A common thing at auditions for musicals, Matthew and I are uh, very familiar with, is that they ask you to sing a a ballad and an up-tempo song. Because they do kind of require two different, it's like two different sets of gears in the same machine. And they are things that a singer needs to be able to do. And that's a good way to show that they have any versatility. There Unless are, you're Ethel Merman. If you're uh-uh. Ethel Merman, it, there's one speed and one speed only. <laughs> And it's and, full steam ahead. Yep. And and um, two uh two dynamics, loud and blastissimo. Yeah. 
Uh, I bring this up because some people can sing a really fast song where the notes go by quickly and do so competently, but then when it comes to the ballad and sustaining notes and sustaining pitches, that's a little more challenging. And uh, with no diss to Michael Damien, I'm going to say that Flyman is clearly not as strong a ballad singer as he is an up-tempo singer. And it's a little pitchy in places, and especially the last note. Uh, and, and the last lyric is, whenever you smile, I fall in love again. Yeah. And he's, I fall in love again, in love again. That high note, a yeah. little bit under the pitch. Yeah, I wrote down, even for 80s auto-tune, like it was still, he was under the note a little bit. Yeah, and and that's fine. We all have bad days. We have good days. Sometimes that's when you're on stage or in the studio. I am the last person to cast aspersions regarding pitch and breath control and singing ability. I'm aware. But with that note, when he hits that, final high note it is just under the pitch and they very quickly dissolve to the final scene of the show on the airplane meaning even the editors were like okay as soon as he hits what we perceive to be close to that note get the fuck out of that scene yeah do not linger do not let it go don't give him a cutoff it's in love again <laughs> it's all you get You have to wonder if that was a director's choice or if the editor was like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus oh. Christ. Snip. Oh, <laughs> I snipped it too. So- oh, no. Oh, oh man. It's done now. So too bad. <laughs> so it's going to air. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry. I will still want to say the stuff that he did in part one, the Rocky, the rocker stuff and the vibe and the sex appeal. Michael Damien, I am team Michael Damien. Just pointing out this one note. Um, so now we're on the private jet flying home. They got to get these credit shots, David. They've got to get these shots for the for the title cards. Mm-hmm, they do, and we do see a couple of them. We're like, oh wait a minute, I know that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and on the private jet, they basically tell us what just happened, what we saw. Yeah. It's really kind of weird. And the other thing is that this is clearly a small set and. Uh, it is a pre-recorded laugh track. We are no longer performing in front of a studio audience. Oh, I didn't notice that. So if you want a taste of what the facts of life would be like, if they had used a laugh track, this is it. And eh. Yeah. Eh. It's fine. Well, but... then the best part, j is when um, the butler or whatever comes the, in. The, the pilot. Uh, the pilot comes in and offers Tootie, a 16-year-old girl, a tour of his cockpit. What? David. Uh, I, uh, uh, I mean, he comes out and he's like, is everything all right, ladies? Please let me know if there's anything else I can do to make your, make your journey more pleasurable. It's like, it's like, are you selling a marital aid or something? It was weird. He's he's a very attractive African-American gentleman. So naturally, the people are like, oh, well, I guess we have to pair him up with Tootie then because 
that way the colors match. I guess that's how we have to do do that, don't we? Anyway, well, Tootie says, I want to know how this thing is flying itself without you in there. And then he like takes her hands in this tableau in profile, like they're posing for a fucking wedding cake. And he does say, one tour of the cockpit coming right up. Giggity. Uh, and again, 16 years old. Cockpit coming up. <laughs> All those words are in that sentence, David. Cockpit coming right up. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised they didn't use pineapple. <laughs> So, um, the only thing left to happen is as they're going over what happened, Tootie's gone. So, uh, oh, oh, oh. And then, Matthew, we have a loop that we need to close. Joe turns to the others and says, ah, I said I was gonna have a good time, and I did. I guess a plan is a good thing. O okay. <sighs> you know how last week you said... Who says, you know, I think I'm going to have a good time and let my hair down. Yeah. I think that goes double for, you know what? I said I was going to have a good time and let my hair down. And I, it's like. And I forget in that scene, is she still sunburnt? Is she still? A little less so. The sunburn has subsided within hours. Okay. Yes. Um, so then Joe says, I miss Flyman. Nobody has sung to me in the last two hours. And Tootie... Gross. <laughs> and Tootie and Natalie sneak up behind her, so one, each of their heads on either side of Joe's head, and they start singing. She is in a different world. How I want to get her into mine. Or whatever the fuck the song was that he sang at the bar last week. She is in a different world. And I want to get her into my... Yeah, it's a great 80s song. It's gorgeous. I love it. I want the soundtrack to this episode. Why was that not released on Casablanca Records? On a single or something? It might have been. What Didn't they say like these were his songs from his album? I don't think so. Oh my God, we got to find out. What if they were Michael Damien songs? I'm surprised they're not credited. Nobody is credited as the songwriter for any of this. Um, but Joe's response to Tootie and Natalie singing to her is like, it's not the same, guys. So that's our final joke. Yeah. Freeze, fade to black. We don't typically fade to black before rolling the credits. But in this case, we fade to black, and then as the credits start over the black background, we hear the audio of Michael Damien actually singing. She's in a different world, how I want to get her into mine. Yeah. And he will be back next season. They do somehow decide to, to bring him back. When Joe goes to Atlantic City, she runs into him. Yeah. I don't remember the circumstances, but... He's singing in a club in Atlantic City. And of all the gin joints and all the casinos <laughs> and all of Atlantic City, she walks into mine. <laughs> so final thoughts what do we think was this journey uh, a worthy one i liked it it's 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 becoming the 80s sitcom that i remember where um every 
each episode has nothing to do with the one before it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's the yeah. same thing with the Golden Girls and you know and every other '80s sitcom. It's just this. These are the characters, but whatever wacky situation they get in, they get in, and I'm all I'm on board. Yeah, I think probably what happened is when Edna Zenables burns down at the beginning of season seven, I think the show Bible was kept at the store. And so it burned up. And so season seven is really where we just go completely into crazy town. Nothing matters. Joe is like, yeah, you know, back when my mom was touring with the circus as a sword swallower, she told me this story about a yada yada. And... You know, and and Tootie is like, ah, remember two summers ago when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with those uh, indigenous peoples? And it's, it's yeah. And I I don't know how I'm going to cope, Matthew. I don't know. You are going to lose your fucking mind. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. I swear, I started this podcast thinking it was going to be worshiping and pointing out the odd occasional inconsistency or comedic paradox. And all I do is shit on it and obsess over the the basic things. So yeah, as one of the episodes that is more reflexive of season seven through nine, the really crazy, nothing matters Logic does not apply. Show Bibles do not exist. This was a fun, fun little journey. Yeah. And I I was particularly living for Tootie, really uh, going crazy and enjoying the party scene. I think part one was more fun because part two got bogged down with all that misogynistic patriarchal bullshit of Blair and Ben. Yeah. And, uh, but overall, yeah. Michael Damien as Flyman, I wish they had brought him back a lot more. I think he could have been a band that they brought in to play at over our heads, like you know, like yeah. the way Phoebe used to play at Central Perk. Yeah, they could have. They well, don't worry. That. There's an episode where Tootie finds a um a stand up comedian and has a stand up night at over our heads. Oh, I don't remember that. And it's everything you think <laughs> it would be. Because uh, if there's anything worse than suffering through a bad stand-up comedy, it's suffering through a bad acting person acting like a bad stand-up comic. Oh, it's awful! Wow. So, well, this, this two arter. Oh, two, two arter, two parter, too many. Oh, <laughs> shut up, Matthew. No, shut up, David. Have... The listeners have spoken, Matthew. You are a favorite. People no. specifically point out how much they enjoy the shows that you are on. You would not be back if it was not mandated by the masses and by my enjoyment and my love for you. Stop it. Can I take your picture now? No. No? Mm-mm. Okay. That one's good. I love it. Your hair kind of is fabulous. Your hair is on point. Very Janice Buffont or whatever her name was. <laughs> Joyce Bulafont. Joyce Bulafont. No, Janice <laughs> Buffont is the drag queen tribute to Joyce. Like Joyce Bulafont, like when she was on, like when she'd be on twenty five thousand dollar pyramid, like in the Did late eighties, like in the late eighties. That that's that that Sandy Duncan almost haircut. 
That's what it yeah, kind of looks I, like. I don't really remember that. To me, Joyce Bulafont will always be the Justin Bieber that sort of all kind of like a corkscrew penis top kind of a thing. I'm going to find an example of what I mean in sentence. Please, please do. She's such a pineapple. What? Nothing. I don't know what that is. Hmm. Well, until next time, my dear, I love you. Two smooches and goodbye. Mwah. And there you have it. That was Matthew Arder. Pineapple. Didn't even catch on what he was doing. Can you believe that little imp? (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen, I do not ever have sweat coming through my shirt in my armpits. I'm in an air-conditioned house, for Christ's sake. I mean, if I'm out in the middle of a 95-degree sunny day in Florida performing on the streets of a theme park, yeah, got a little bit of sweat there, a little moisture. But (laughs) what the fuck, Matthew? Well, he knew it was just because I was going to have to come on now and defend myself. Good thing I love him as much as I do, because I'm going to let him get away with it, okay? Other things to discuss after the episode is uh, we mentioned just at the very, very end that this isn't Michael Damien's actual music. These songs aren't actually his, are they? At least one of them is. The one he sings to Joe, she is from a different world. That is from his 1984 album called Love is a Mystery. I found somebody who has posted the entire album on YouTube. I will share it with you on the website for this episode. It is 80s-tastic. That's about all, really. Next week, I'm going to be watching Season 6, Episode 21, Man in the Attic. You can watch the show for free at dailymotion.com. I'll post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That is all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Visit my website, facethefactspod.com, for supplemental photos and videos, audio extras from the digital cutting room floor, links to my social media, and ways that you can support the show financially. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever fine podcasts are found. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.